a lot of businesses are birthed out of personal journeys, frustrations, struggles, you name it. Like that's the reason why I do what I do. Welcome to the Technology Equals Equality podcast. I'm your host, Lori Brooks, and this is episode 88. Know Thyself with Ayana Maya, the Capacity Coach. Hey, welcome back, Techie community, to an extra special holiday episode. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 88, Know Thyself with Ayana Maya, the Capacity Coach. I hope you are all enjoying a wonderfully fun holiday season thus far and the beautiful blanket of snow Mother Nature blessed the Northeast with this week. I pray all of your deliveries have already arrived and you're again enjoying time at home with family as this crazy year is finally coming to an end. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Ayana Maya is the Capacity Coach. With over 10 years experience as a human resource professional, Ayana decided it was time to take control of her future. Specializing in employee relations, training, and development, Ayana uses her DISC certification to help employees reach their full potential. As the Capacity Coach, Ayana has developed the Core Accelerator, a free seven-day live workshop, and the Core Academy, an in-depth business development program for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Ayana and I went to high school together many years ago, and as people did before Facebook and most of the technology existed, we lost touch. But the LinkedIn algorithm was nice enough to suggest that we may actually know one another, probably because, you know, we're both former Newton North High School grads. So listen in as Ayana and I reconnect to share laughs, discuss life's unexpected pivots, and the inconsistencies in the entrepreneurial journey. Well, Ayana, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and we are super excited to have you. I This is your first time on the show, but we actually have quite the history together. We've known each other for many, many years. However, it's funny, as we first started talking before we got on the recording, we were laughing about how long it's been since we both spoke. And we're not going to on air actually air how many years, because then it would give more of a hint towards how old the two of us actually are. So we're going to leave all of that out. How gracious. <laughs> but this is, there is definitely history here. So no, it's, it's awesome to have you on the show and to be able to chat once again. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are the capacity coach and I am super excited to dive into your practice. But before we actually get there, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of rewind the clock again. We're not stating how far we're rewinding that clock, but we're going to rewind the clock just a bit. We're going to go back to high school days. Let's go way back to being tigers. And let me ask you this. When your aunt, uncle, or an elder, or even a teacher, same as Diggs, would ask you, what is it you're planning to do when you leave high school? What is it you're planning to do in the future? What did you think the future would be for you? Um, I believe that it would include college. I knew it wasn't going to be right away. I knew I was already going to take a year off and I was just going to sort of explore a little bit. Yeah. Um, definitely an HBCU and was going to Clark Atlanta was in my it was in my eyesight if not it was Virginia State and I was just like I'm going there it's going to be one of the two and that is my trajectory I wanted to do accounting and become an accountant because I love numbers so much and then you know I was going to have my happily ever after I was going to get married have my 2.5 kids get me a dog have a white picket fence girl the whole fantasy Right. And then I also was like, at some point, I'm going to get my PhD. I'm going to have that. It's like a no brainer. Like, duh. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my trajectory. So you have your first year and you're kind of learning sort of the basics. And then the second year, you kind of get into the contextual pieces and the history of accounting mm -hmm. and the professor the professor said, you know, it's always something when somebody has to pause right before, like, you know what I'm saying? Because they hit, they feel that emotion a little bit. It come back, it come right back. 
she said to me, I really don't think this is the field for you. You should probably reconsider becoming an accountant. Wow. And at this point, I had invested maybe about a year and a half into the degree. And it's not that I don't like history, but reading about history mm-hmm. for me, I, it, the audible was a thing back then. Right. I would have been fine. <laughs> I would have had that sucker on audible. I would have had all my notes. I would have got it all down. But you get, you know, it was a textbook that was like this thick. Yeah. And I was like, on the history of accounting, like, I get it. You know, we got to go back to really kind of understand what we're doing. And, and it was just that one class. It wasn't like the principles. It wasn't that I wasn't getting the concepts. It wasn't that I wasn't understanding financial terms and concepts. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't interested in the history contextually of accounting. I completely understand where you're coming from. It's funny that you were talking about Audible because yes, if Audible was something that existed back then, we would have taken the time to get through that book. I'm going to actually throw out a resource for the audience right now. It's something that has recently come about. Blinkist. They have a library very much like Audible now, but it is the shortened version of books. So it's streamlined. It's almost the contents page. Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T is is definitely one of those apps that I really do wish existed back in the day. But again, I'm stuttering because I'm avoiding stating the year in which I was referencing. (laughs) Right, right, right. It's like what we had with Cliff Notes. That was like our best exactly thing was Cliff Notes back then. Exactly. exactly. I don't even know if it's still a thing. I think they still exist, but I don't know either. And we're 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 gonna leave that alone. Right. <laughs> when you recognized, okay, accounting's not for me. This is not where I want to see myself. This isn't where I'm going. What do you feel were your thought processes of moving forward for yourself? Where did that pivot come from and what motivated you the most? After I had that sort of conversation, I did some self-assessment and seeing if this is truly what I wanted to do, really the you know direction I wanted to go in. Now, mind you, I'm already three years into the journey that I didn't anticipate myself being in. Mm-hmm. So really having to now make some decisions because at this point, I now have a child. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of things now I can't do as planned. The HBCU is out of the question because now I'm with child and that's not going to work. And I can't just up and move to a whole nother state and leave the child behind with parents or a guardian just to be able to pursue the degree. So now there's a level of responsibility that I have to have. There's bills that I have to pay. There's a whole human being now that I have to take care of. And um, so I went to um, Roxbury Community College. Mm-hmm. And that was where the accounting, that whole thing with accounting happened. And what I did was I decided to make a pivot, as you said. And so I just went into business management, something a little bit more general, but I could touch on a lot of the accounting things. So that way I wouldn't lose the education and could still be applicable to the degree. Right. What happened was I signed up for work study and at the Reggie Lewis Center um, here in Boston, I was offered a part-time work-study position Mm -hmm. in their administration office. And that's when I was introduced to human resources. Mm. And that's when my career really started in human resources. So it wasn't my trajectory. It wasn't my plan, Mm -hmm. but it was certainly my purpose. And I definitely fell into it in a way that could only have been designed (laughs) for me. That's just how it happened. You got this opportunity and you decided, okay, Human resources is where you are. Now you're in human resources, but what was it that really motivated you then to take the steps to become an entrepreneur? How did your journey truly begin? So with the, I think I've always operated with an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad had many businesses. So I kind of watched him do his own thing and come up with his own companies, um, you know, over the course of time. And so I think I've always had that inspiration in me. I think the moment that really defined what that was going to look like was um, probably early 2005. I had was in between jobs. I had just had my uh, second son and the job I was at was at a university. I wasn't fulfilled. It was a very hard and challenging work environment, although I love doing the work. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like the environment that I was in. So when I went out on maternity leave, I decided I wasn't going back. 
And then I figured, what can I do now? Right. And so I became a massage therapist. That was my first independently owned and operated business. And so I put myself through massage therapy school and really invested in it. I became certified. I was postpartum um, and pregnancy certified. i also became a doula and a birthing coach at that time. And then I also became an infant massage um, certified instructor, as well as a childbirth education instructor. So I had a full-fledged business um, and had started to begin working on my breastfeeding and lactation consultant certification, Mm -hmm. although it was a little much at that time, having a newborn, a four-year-old, and, you know, now newly married at that, at that point in time. So um, I just used that. I got two tables and I was a traveling massage therapist and would go to people's homes and give them a massage in their private space and then would do events like chair massages at organizations. But then I spent a lot of my time um, teaching and coaching childbirth education, partnering with couples who were trying to get their birthing plan and their own birth voice together to show up in the hospital the way that they organically wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of the first taste at it. Then you fast forward, um, I go back into the human resources world, get back into the nine to five, looking for stability. Because you know, when you're an entrepreneur, the paychecks aren't as consistent as you like when you're starting out. Um, So I did that for a couple of years and then found myself laid off yet again. Um, And at this point had just found out that I was pregnant with my third child, something about these pregnancies and being laid off. (laughs) So I had just found out that I was pregnant with my third child. So now at this point, I have an eight year old, I have a four year old, and I just found out that I'm now pregnant with my third child. And had just found out um, they had done my, I was a career coach for um, sort of a welfare to work program and they had recently done budget cuts. So it was a first in first out, mm-hmm. nothing I could do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point I was like, well, I need to fall back on something and I don't really want to do the massage thing anymore. I'm not really sure where I want to go with this. So um, I remember when I was going through RCC that as a cheerleader, Surprise, surprise there, because I was one in high school. Yeah, it's just going to say, shocking. Right, <laughs> right. And uh, we were also the Tigers. I was like, you know what? I'm just never going to get away from these cats. So it is what it is. But I was the cheerleader that baked all of the goodies. So whenever we would go on road trips to another school, it was like they already knew to come to me for juices, snacks, brownies, cookies, and they were home baked. They weren't like some cheap store bought. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I made sure the team was straight. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, you could do that. So I put myself through culinary arts school and became a certified pastry chef. Yeah. And from there, I ran a successful pastry business too, actually, for six years. So the first one was my personal one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was a, um, a cohort that I put together of home-based bakers in Boston and mm-hmm. to try to share the wealth. So mm-hmm. that way, if anybody was coming to me for something that I couldn't do, I could share it with somebody else who could, hey, there's money in the pot. Come get the money in the pot because I can't take it and vice versa. So we would give off things if we knew that wasn't our skill set, if we knew that wasn't something that we were particularly good at. Mm-hmm. Like I know somebody who can make a banging sweet potato pie. Mine's is good, but hers is banging. You see? <laughs> So if somebody really was looking for that, they went down to Alabama, made the pie, came back and gave it to you, then I would be able to refer her for that service. So that was the two businesses that I put together then. So this is now my second entrepreneurial journey. And then from there, went back into human resources. (laughs) And so, and it was interesting because it was a part-time job at a local health center. And they, on my first day, hired me to do a pastry job. Wow. I was like, I thought that you guys wanted like an HR assistant. Right. <laughs> like I came here to resource some humans. I didn't come here to bake. They were having a baby shower for the person that I was replacing. And so I made her cake like oh. on her exit. When you talk about connecting to the right people at the right time and knowing that that's where you belong. It was one of those things where not only did they embrace the things that I did as an entrepreneur, but I could also show up in the capacity that really spoke to me and that really resonated with me. And so I remained with them for five years. And then I wanted to move and work closer to home because I had just purchased my first home in Brockton. And so I decided to segue out to the South Shore. Mm -hmm. And from there, 
there were just a lot of things in my journey that just were disconnecting. Mm. And I was finding myself feeling very unfulfilled, very frustrated, feeling like I wasn't making progress. And then as a mom, there's all that mom guilt that you deal with. You know, <laughs> I'm a Jesus follower. So when you go through that process of committing your life to Christ, mm-hmm. he kind of shows you you and you're kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's me. I, are you sure that's me? That's horrible. That's me for real. So you're going through that and you're trying to figure out how do I fix? How do I change these things? Can I even change it? Is it a thing? Can I not do that? Can I not treat people that way? Why is that happening? And from that, that whole journey, my whole past experience, what it showed me was you constantly increase your capacity Mm -hmm. to do life. Mm -hmm. You constantly increase your capacity to do business. You're always finding a way to make sure that you make ends meet. And from that, the process through that I walked through spiritually to get to where I am now, that was an increase in capacity to be me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what birthed the capacity coach. And that's how I got to where I am today. I so. thank you. I mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you were very forthcoming with the full story. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that we've had on the show that will start off with the birth of their first business or the business that they have come on the show to promote. And I really appreciate you taking us back to the start of your entrepreneurial journey, to the real start of, okay, I was going to do this, But this is what truly occurred. And I had to be realistic and move forward in life. Entrepreneurs find other ways to maintain income while our practice is getting started. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that think that they're supposed to have it all together. When you look at the true journey of most entrepreneurs, we all start with a background income source of some sort because a business does not start making money in day one, okay? You may make money in the first couple of weeks. And yes, that might be very true. But the reality of it being a consistent, scalable income is slim to none. And that is where becoming an entrepreneur really comes into play is recognizing, okay, I have the ability to make income on my own, but now how do I actually make that income something that I can survive off of and grow to a level that I'm happy with and that satisfies me as an individual, not necessarily the people around you. Again, what is success? that's something you have to define for you. Right. So what do you feel like were some of the hardest pieces for you as you began the first practice? But when you were looking at baking as one of the first things that you were doing and you're saying, okay, I'm going to start off as a baker and I'm going to find clients. What do you feel were some of the first steps that you started taking there? So I've never been one to be shy of my mistakes or my failures. I have always been able to laugh at myself, right? And I think that that's, for me, I believe that that's important because when you're on that entrepreneurial journey, it's not for the faint of heart. You will get out there, you will flub, you will say things that you're like, I don't even know where that came from. What, you know, like, and so, you know, I think recognizing that this is a journey And it's not a one-stop, one-step process to sort of just get out there and launch and you're going to be awesome and you're going to make a million dollars and you're going to be, you know, I had to put that mindset, you know, aside and say, this is going to be a journey. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a process, one foot in front of the other and get out there. So when I decided to, um, you know, any of my business, whether it it was a massage therapist, whether it was baking or even now doing the business development coaching, it was recognizing who I was talking to and why. Mm -hmm. 
that was the key thing. I'm only going to attract the people that I'm, you know, selling to or talking to in such a way. So it was really looking at what were some of the pain points, what were some of the struggles that people were having and talk to that. And it's like, well, how can you have struggles when you're a pastry chef and you sell like everything that everybody eats, you know? And it's like, yeah, but sometimes it's about calling it's about customer service like the pace that's what the pastry business taught me the most mm-hmm. um it's not about making pretty cakes it's not about you know making something super flavorful although that's you know key when you're selling anything food related but it was really about customer service it was about listening to what they actually wanted and delivering that mm-hmm. um Aesthetically, yes, you want it to look good, but really paying attention to what the customer's needs are. You know, when you get into a front-facing customer service oriented business, really knowing who you're talking to and why you're talking to them um, is crucial. So one of the things, um, and one of the things you kind of alluded to in your questions about challenges was not knowing myself. Mm. That was probably the most challenging thing. And I didn't know it until I didn't know it. Mm. Why am I getting this? Why is this happening? Why am I struggling with this? You know, to have like a real transparent moment, when I closed my cake business, I closed it because I recognized that I was lacking in friendships. And so I was operating the cake business from a place of desiring friendships. I was the cake lady. Everybody always wanted the cake lady around. So I was operating from a deficit. And when you operate from a deficit, you're never going to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. You will never be fulfilled when you're operating from a place of personal deficit. Mm -hmm. I promise you. It's, it's the worst place to be because when, when you're looking for that one thing or that level of fulfillment, and then you recognize why you're doing it, mm-hmm. that crash down, I don't wish that on anybody, but you really do have to know yourself. And that's what led me to the core accelerator and all that, um, all that jazz about know thyself because your business will suffer if you don't. Definitely. It's, it's not just listening to your customers, which I, I appreciate you adding that extra piece that you're not just listening to your customers, but you have to understand and listen to yourself as you made that transition, as you recognized, okay, you know what? I got to recognize who I am. I need to be able to serve my customers and serve whoever it is in whichever capacity you needed to and how you were going to evolve as an entrepreneur. And I want the audience to really hear that thought process for you because it wasn't like you were saying to yourself, okay, what can I do to make my business better? It was, what can I do to make myself better as an entrepreneur to serve the masses in whatever way? What do you feel was the, was the biggest piece for you as you made that transition and had that recognition? Well, I took this DISC assessment probably 2016, maybe 2017. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to be honest, when I read the results, I was like, Dag, I'm mad basic. Like, <laughs> this sucks. Like, this is not even, like, what am I supposed to do with this? But then as I started to learn more about it and I started to learn more about myself, there were things that I hadn't accepted about myself that I was ashamed of. Right. My mom had called me at one point a professional student because I'm always in school and I'm always trying to learn something. I'm always going for some certification. (laughs) I'm really always trying to dig deep into why. Like I'm one of those people that not only looks up the word, but I go to the etymology and I look up the Latin root because I want to know that what I'm saying is the right thing. Right. I have young people that I have to launch into the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible for the things that I say and the things that come out of my mouth. I'll tell you, one of the more gut checking moments for me was um, my son. And I tell this story all the time. We were at an airport and I was just very emotional, very intense, rude, loud, definitely loving hip hop hands, click clacking. You know, I can't believe. And so I was putting my kids on a plane and they were flying by themselves to see my brother at the time who was living in California. 
And my son sent me a, a text and he was like, mom, can you do me a favor? And I was like, sure, what's up? So at this point, he's on the plane, I'm driving home. He mm -hmm. said, I need you to work on your anger. Mm. It's embarrassing. Mm. And I was like, wow. Now I've always had a relationship with my children where I allow them to give me feedback because that's the only way I'm gonna get better as a mom. So there are things that they say that might be hurtful, but they're the truth. Mm -hmm. And I allow them that space because when they get older, I need them to be able to advocate for themselves and say, this doesn't work. And here's why. Yeah. So when he said that, that shifted everything for me and that began my transformational journey. So it started out with just me working on my anger. And then as I started to work on my anger, I started to see more things about my character, having those small Jesus moments of like, yeah, that's you and that sucks. What are we going to do about it? And so as I started to go through this process and as I went through this DISC assessment and it really started to unlock the fact that I love processes, that I love teaching, that I'm a people person, that I am go team, that I, all these things that were natural to me, but I always felt ashamed of. It was one of those things of like, I had that moment and I remember it clearly. I was standing in my kitchen and I was like, wow, my life doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> it really doesn't have to be this way. Like I have the actual ability to change it yeah and it rocked my world and so I said other people deserve to feel this moment other people deserve to feel this that's where my business launched that's the place that it started from and so when I think about some of the things that incorporated and got me to this sort of pivot of being able to shift and go into business and and think about what I wanted to do as a coach it was really the the very sore and ugly human moments mm. that said, no, other people need to be unlocked. Mm -hmm. Whatever you saw for yourself, there's a million other people who are dealing with the exact same thing. Yeah. And so for me, entrepreneurship, yes, there's a business involved, but a lot of journeys are birthed out of trauma. Yes. A lot of businesses are birthed out of personal journeys, um, frustration, struggles, you name it. Like that's the reason why I do what I do because it was birthed out of frustration. I was tired as a budding entrepreneur and I would hire these coaches. Now I've invested in my growth, but I was hiring coaches that couldn't explain to me the difference between clarity and identity for your brand, why you needed a mission, why you needed a vision. Is core values a thing and you need them? Why? Why does that matter? And so here I am paying people who promised to be able to help me grow my business, mm -hmm. but yet I was still showing up from an inauthentic place. Mm -hmm. I was still frustrated because I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand marketing and how it worked and social media and when to post and why this needs to look aesthetically pleasing and how that, and I committed six months to learning it. Mm. And so that personal and professional piece had to work hand in hand mm -hmm. so that I could show up authentically as me for my audience. As you move through your journey and as you swapped from one practice to another, from HR to pastry and back, uh, what do you feel has been the biggest struggle for you throughout the years? What do you feel were the biggest hiccups that you had throughout launching a business and closing a business? What do you feel was the hardest piece? It's cliche to say this, but life, life happens in the midst of everything that you're trying to do. Sometimes it can be relentless and it's one thing after another, after another, after another. In the midst of all of my entrepreneurial journeys, I've had four children. I've lost children in the process, you know, due to miscarriage and things like that. I've been divorced. I've bought a home. I've transitioned in and out of nine to fives to the entrepreneurial journey. I'm still in a nine to five. And then self-acceptance has been probably one of the biggest parts of, you know, it, it can become and feel defeating at times when you see or you're open to the ugliness of who you are, knowing that it can change, but you first have to accept that. Yes. You know, and so even in that time, you know, I've had a child graduate from high school. I, you know, he's now going, um, making the decision to go into the Air Force. I have another child who's now in high school. I have one girl out of all the four. Wow. Um, and she is at my hip. <laughs> and I, and I say that because it's like, it's not just, oh, well, you know, your kids are at your hip. It's something about when a woman has a daughter. 
There's something about you that has to mature in order to make sure that she can turn into the woman that she desires to be. And when you have like, it's almost like the same for when a man has a son, you know, the daughter has the soft spot for moms, the sons have a soft spot, you know, and it's kind of, but for daughters and moms, it is a spinning mirror of you Mm -hmm. and she will pick up things from you. Not the nice, not the not so nice things. Mm-hmm. And it was, really, you know, it's a <laughs> the good, and the bad, the ugly, and yeah, gets all of it. They watch it all, mm-hmm. you know. And like she's, she even said to me the other night, like, I just want those because they're yours. <laughs> and it's those things, it's you are constantly being watched. Yeah. And how that affects your entrepreneurial journey is you're always mindful of where you are. You're very aware, you become more aware of what's happening, some of the decisions that you're making, what's going into it. I've had to scale back quite a few times. Mm. I've had to pull back. I've done the stop and go. I've done the double dutch, <laughs> trying, trying to figure out when's the right time to jump in the rope. Um, you know, And so all of that sort of encompasses the challenges. And if I could sum it all up, that would be the one word I would give it is life. Mm-hmm. Life certainly happens. But one of the things that I can, if I can encourage the folks listening is that life happens. But when you prepare, two things are true. Offenses will come and death will happen. Mm-hmm. You can't get around that. Right. How are you going to prepare yourself? Now, I started five years ago preparing for the death of my parents so that when it comes to that time, although I know it'll be devastating, I'm not completely wiped out by the experience. And it didn't mean that it was like, oh, you're going to spend all this extra amount of time. You're going to do all these great activities. I emotionally got myself ready because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And just last year, my dad passed away. And it did not rock me as much as I thought it would be because I was prepared. I don't know what that's going to look like person to person. I can only tell you what it looked like for me. I visualized the funeral. I visualized him being lowered into the ground. I visualized what that would look like and what my emotional state, and I allowed myself to be present in the whole thing and to let it be exactly what it was going to be. And that affects your journey as an entrepreneur because depending on the relationships that you have with people, especially in times of COVID and you don't know what's really going to happen and there's anxiety, you're trying to still process that all. When you are grounded within yourself, you don't find yourself doing the stop and go. You don't find yourself doing the double dutch. You find yourself blending your life into your entrepreneurial journey. They no longer really become two separate things. So when I, for example, I have four kids and off the rip, I'll tell you that you'll probably see a forehead come into the side of the screen. That's going to be my son. He's going to ask me a question because I just told him that I was going on camera and I was going to be live. My daughter's going to come in and just kind of stand there. You know, I'm like, listen, y'all, I'm at home. This is what is. So that's what I mean by you start to incorporate your life into your entrepreneurial journey. But then you also start to incorporate your journey as an entrepreneur into your life. And it becomes one and the same. So everything that I'm talking about here isn't different from anything that I would talk about work, isn't different from anything that I would talk to my kids about. And it's certainly not anything that I would talk about different in an interview. Mm-hmm. Challenges become a part of who you are and how you grow if you allow it. Definitely. Yeah. And I'll tell you, for any of the entrepreneurs or about to be entrepreneurs out there, your kids are going to get sick of it. Just, just know that. Just it's, expect it. Just, yeah. just expect that. They're going to get sick of it. They're going to get sick of you becoming you. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> they will. <laughs> I said, I, guys, I have a call at seven o'clock. No, I said yeah. at seven o'clock and my daughter said, you have a call. And I was like, yep, yep. I'm telling you, you family will challenge you in that process. Be prepared. You very right. much so. It's life. It is life, you guys. Life. And I love that answer, Ayana, because it's not just one thing specifically that can challenge you, become a hiccup throughout the journey. There are many things, and there's such an astronomical number that at times can occur all at once all at once because it's life. Life doesn't stop for you to start 
your business. So if you're waiting for life to stop, to start your business, you'll be waiting forever. So no, I I agree 100%. I, I love that answer. That is the first time somebody has said that, but I love that answer. It's the truth. It is life as a whole that can definitely become the hiccup. Please share with us the Capacity Coach and your Accelerator program that I believe is starting on December 28th. So just a couple of weeks, guys, get in and get registered. Ayana, please share more. Oh, absolutely. So um, the Core Accelerator is a seven-day live and free workshop, and it focuses on four elements. So the Core, C-O-R-E, so the C focuses on communication, right? And that's talking about your, what are you communicating about your culture? And so um, a lot of people are like, well, what does that mean, my culture? I'm just one person. Yet, in a personal brand, you are the culture, Mm. you are the organization. And so you need to figure out how you're presenting that, how you're sharing that to the world. And that means things like your core values and your statements, what your process is, your mission and your vision. And we, oh yeah, those are basic things that are a part of, you know, any sort of business plan or what you Um, you know, you want to do and get off the ground. But I find that a lot of people don't know how to necessarily articulate that. Mm -hmm. And how I figured that out was just sitting in a bunch of um, interviews. Mm. And you ask the question, so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. And I've heard things like, oh, well, you know, I kind of like skydiving and I hang out with my friends and, you know, I have a couple of kids and, you know, I was married, but now I'm in transition. And it's just like, that's not, that's not what we're asking. Mm -hmm. And so because you don't have the language down, because you're not knowing what to communicate to sort of share who you are and your personal brand, right? Because your brand is personal to who you are. That's what makes it a personal brand is learning how to communicate specifically those four things, your core values, your mission, your vision, and what your process is. So how you're going to do things. The O stands for operation. How you operate may not always be how it resonates. Mm. How you operate may not always be how it resonates. You know, they say with kids, more is caught than taught. Mm. So you can say, well, I'm showing up professionally, yet every time you're on a live or you're doing a video, you you dancing, you know, you got ear snatches and things like that. And so you're coming off a lot more aggressive than you feel internally. And so because you believe internally, I am a good person, I'm calm, I'm soft. And then you come across how they're picking it up may not be what you're putting down. Mm -hmm. So they're not connecting with your brand in a way that makes sense to who you are authentically. Mm -hmm. The R is about relationships and resources. So here we're talking about who's in your tribe because that's huge when you're starting a brand, when you're launching a business, who's in your tribe. For me, I have an elder, I have an accountability partner, I have a prayer partner and I have a therapist. That's my tribe. (laughs) I also am a part of other communities of women entrepreneurs who are doing the same thing. And I use them as my reset, my regroup and my refocus. So who is in your tribe? Who are your relationships with? And then resources. It doesn't always cost $1,000, $10,000, $50,000 to launch a brand. Mm-hmm. I launched, a, you know, I'm launching a brand with an iPhone, a MacBook, and my wits. Mm-hmm. And my wits are free. So <laughs> you see, I'm, not, I'm launching something that's authentic to me. I'm showing up exactly as who I am. And then the E of the whole core is efficiency. Here we're looking at systems. What systems do you have in place? And they're not all just technical systems. They're not all electronic systems. They're also your emotional systems. Mm. What do you have in place when you, you know, you cross a client who wants to challenge your process, who Mm. wants to challenge what you're doing, who doesn't really believe in it, but they're in it and they won't leave the group, but they want to be in the group, but you know that they're always going to challenge you. How do you respond? Because people are watching more so at that interaction than they are at the little post that you just put in the group. So we're talking about becoming more efficient from an internal place. So the whole core core accelerator focuses on eternal branding so that your external branding can be more effective. And I believe that the only way that you can do that is when you really truly know who you are, how you operate, and why you do what you do. 
what did it come from? So walk out in an authentic brand because then at that point you've, you've laid a solid rock foundation. And so when storms like COVID, when storms like other pandemics, when life happens, like nothing is really bucking up against it because you are true to yourself. And once your core is stabilized, just like it is physically, if you got all this midsection, you know, that's hanging out, your core is unstable. So when you stabilize the core of your business, your business stabilizes, you become more consistent, you become more effective, and you have a brand that you feel confident in showing up in. So if somebody wants to challenge it, okay, but here's what it is. And you can do it from a place that's no longer angry, aggressive, you know, and, and just outrageous. And what do you mean? And now you're responding with, we can agree to disagree, but mm. this is what the program offers. And I'm so grateful that you're here. And I really do hope that you can take something away from it. But if you can't, I completely understand. And I wish you all the best. And if I can be a resource down the line, I'm so happy to do that. That allows you to be in that space versus like, well, they ain't for me then. There's a whole difference in that. And yeah. that comes from just being rooted in who you are and knowing that no matter what, and I say this all the time, people cannot take your value away from you. Mm. They didn't give it to you. Yeah. They didn't give you your value, so they can't take it away. But once you own your value, then you show up because you're the only person in the world that can devalue you. Because you're in charge of it. So the core accelerator really walks entrepreneurs through that, whether you are thinking about launching a business, launched a business in the beginning stages, have been in it for some time, you've been in the game, but you're not really feeling as fulfilled. The fulfillment doesn't come from the people that come to your business. The fulfillment comes from who you are when you operate in your business. Mm -hmm. The core accelerator is free. Anybody can join it. You get a workbook as a part of it. I show up live every single day as part of the launch. It's a 10-day program in total, but seven days is spent teaching. Um, so you get a lot of things out of it. Um, you go through, like I said, the workbook, and um, there's always a recap. There's a little mini homework assignment, you know, and then we can talk about next steps after that, but that's not the goal. The goal is really for you to be able to walk away with something that lays a foundation for you to sort of launch off of, because it's, it's more important to me that you feel whole inside your business than it is for you to just have a business. It's not a quick fix. It's not something that's going to, you know, make you a million dollars overnight. Mm -hmm. It's not going to make you an internet sensation overnight. It's not going to be the influencer of the year in six <laughs> weeks. It's not going to help you launch a course program in the next six weeks or overnight. You're not going to write a book in a weekend. Like you're not going to do these things, but I promise you, you will become whole mm -hmm. and have a solid foundation and you can never really put a price on that. No, no, you cannot. The core accelerator. I am super excited for the accelerator. I myself will be joining the accelerator because it never hurts to pause, take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing. The show is really designed to help entrepreneurs come up with a business idea in an industry that they may not have been thinking of. And yes, one of the bigger hiccups is life as a whole, but we want to niche down and really look at operationally in your practice on a day-to-day -day basis as a coach. What is it that you feel keeps you up at night? What do you feel if you could streamline or fix or change with just waving a magic wand that you would change? Because what we'd like to do is provide the audience with an idea for a business in an industry that they weren't thinking of and may not be involved in. So I'm curious for you as a coach, as the capacity coach, what do you feel like you would change if you could wave a magic wand and change anything at all in your business? What would it be and why? Content creation and templates. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that seem to be, they're not necessarily challenging. They are certainly time consuming. Yes. Um, and so when you're thinking about that and surveys to gain feedback, mm -hmm. I think that those markets are a little underrated. Like they don't really have too many resources out there. Yes, you can go on Fiverr and hire somebody to do something, mm -hmm. you know, basic. But when you're looking at um, 
packages specifically geared towards small businesses. So if you are a grant writer, let's say, for example, and you have some templates and some explanations for small business owners, especially in this pandemic era where there are a lot of grants and a lot of money for small businesses, if you don't know how to speak the language of grant writing, as a grant writer, you could package something specifically geared to entrepreneurs who are new to the game, small businesses who have, you know, maybe anywhere from one person to maybe 15 people. They're not like a huge operation. They're sort of coming off the ground, might be in business, maybe zero to three years, if I'm really specific. Like, and so how would you, what are some of the staple questions that you could help us navigate through in terms of applying for a grant or filling out a grant application? Um, I think in terms of surveys and feedback, when you're trying to generate leads and you're not sure how the landing pages quite look, but you know how to ask a couple of questions because you know some of the areas that are frustrating for the people that you serve, but you want to collect data, you want to build your email list, you want to try to navigate and you know get your sort of foot in the marketplace. I think having someone who focuses on research and development, who can help you get sort of that foot in the marketplace through that particular avenue. Mm -hmm. And then I think template packages, um, like I just recently seen, and it was something that I was considering to do, is putting together an HR package for small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so you can purchase it by the page or you can purchase it by the package. And what it is, is basically sample policies like sexual harassment and electronic data, cell phone use, things that you would normally have in any business, um, handbook template. So that way, you know that the person who's providing the product, you know, is maybe an HR professional, has worked as a consultant and kind of knows the language and understands the compliance piece that small business owners may run into applications, how to fire properly, what is some of the things that you can fire for, um, being mindful of sexual harassment and discrimination and what that looks like and, you know, employee relation issues that you might come up against and how are you going to have that if you're thinking about now employing people as part of your business? What does unemployment look like? Right. So I think that those for me have been the three areas that require, I think, a decent amount of time mm -hmm. um, to really invest into, especially when you're doing content creation, knowing what your language is, knowing what words to use, figuring out what type of experience you're trying to, you know, create what vibe you're trying to give off. So, you know, figuring sort of all that out. You are everything when you are starting out as an entrepreneur. You are marketing. You are Janet, you the janitor. You are, you know, the website designer, the graphic designer, the you know, accountant, the you're you're yeah. everything, the administrative assistant, the customer service rep, the you know, you're all of those things. And so I think if you are in the market to sort of start something that's like, well, how do I do that? Maybe she could just hire a virtual assistant. They can, you know, it's almost like a generalist. An HR generalist is somebody who is good at many different things as a part of HR. Don't be the generalist. I am the person that you would come to if you really want to dig into employee relations, human behavior, and training and development. Mm -hmm. That is my sweet spot in human resources. Can I help you fill out a benefit form? Sure. Do I want to? Hell no, because I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to do employee relations, human behavior, and training and development. Yeah. So don't just become a virtual assistant that does a broad thing, become the virtual assistant that does the one thing. And so really figure out what that sweet spot is for you. Mm -hmm. If you're in graphic design, focus on that. Maybe you focus on curating your Instagram. Yes, there are a lot of people out there who can do it, but the one thing that you bring that they don't bring to that is you. Definitely. Niching down, figuring out what it is that you are capable of doing the best. Back to the tool that you were mentioning, if the audience out there can create a tool to create templates, you know, a templating tool, that would be awesome because I agree with you. There are different areas of my practice that I need to be able to create templates for, but it's time consuming to do so. And if there were a way to create a template piece that actually templated out other things or ideas and pieces that I drop into it, that would be 
amazing. So techie community, get on it and start creating that one. Definitely. Hello, hello. <laughs> okay. You, that one thing entrepreneurs want most is their time. That's the reason why they get into it. You got it. You got so it. When you're creating products and services that save people time. Those are always going to be top sellers. 100%. I, I am hoping that the audience will go ahead and join us. Again, it is a free program, the Core Accelerator. You will gain value out of this program, much like you have out of this episode. Ayana, I have been too happy to have you on the show. I thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. Please share the best way for our listeners to find you. Oh, absolutely. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you and reconnecting. Yes. Um, it's just been amazing. So thank you so much for hopping in my inbox and LinkedIn and just letting <laughs> me know about your platform. Um, so for those folks who are just wanting to either know a little bit more about the Capacity Coach or you are interested in joining the Core Accelerator, which does kick off December 28th, you can hop on over to my website, www.thecapacitycoach.com. Dot com. Um, you can click on the programs and services and you'll see the information for the core accelerator there. Outside of that, you can follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at the capacity coach. And on Saturdays, I go live on both Facebook and Instagram where I'm teaching a concept that's related to the core accelerator. So if you're still just looking for free content, you're not exactly sure if this is the right fit, come join me. You can get a feel for how I teach and then you can decide on your own if the core accelerator is for you. Again, it's a free seven-day workshop in which we help entrepreneurs align their internal brand with their external brand. Ayana, I can't wait. I am super excited and I will also be sure to include links on the show notes page to the accelerator as well as the homepage for the capacity coach. But again, I thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Ayana, thank you again for sharing your time, energy, and wisdom with the community. And Techie community, thank you for joining us here for episode 88. You know what I love the most about this episode? I love how Ayana provided such clarity in the double Dutch episodes that occurred throughout her journey. But she really followed her gut and no matter what, maintained her entrepreneurial mindset. Just to rewind a bit in the episode, I didn't want to interrupt the focus or the flow of the, but as you guys all heard, I literally just dropped the ball when it came to discussing Cliff Notes and left it alone. The answer is yes, Cliff Notes does exist. That was ridiculous that I wasn't clear on it and unsure, but I just didn't want to give false information. And I figured instead of her and I like diving into this research, a uh, scenario in the middle of the episode that we just move on. So forgive me for that. Normally I don't do that. I will include links on the show notes page to both Blinkists and Cliff Notes. Visit Blinkist.com or CliffNotes.com. Do not forget to register for the free seven-day core accelerator coming on December 28th. I hope to see you all there. Reach out to Ayana at The Capacity Coach or at Ayana Maya on social media, or you can always go to her website at thecapacitycoach.com. And of course, we will be sure to include a link to the Capacity Coach and to Ayana from our show notes page at technology-equality.com forward slash Ayana Maya. Thank you once again for joining me here for episode 88. I wish you all a very merry and happy holiday season. And until our next episode, when we continue to hear the journey, find the pain and create solutions, enjoy the week.